Hello and welcome to Locating Wisdom, the podcast. In this podcast, we speak to entrepreneurs and small business owners within Ireland with the aim of understanding more about their industry and what makes them tick as individuals. I believe everyone has knowledge and wisdom that we can learn from, and that is the premise of this show, to locate that wisdom. In this episode, we have Kian O'Hanlon, a co-founder of ASAP Nutrition. ASAP Nutrition are a vegan protein drink maker who are making waves in that area. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, Kian, and thank you very much for joining me here today in the debut episode of Locating Wisdom. Thanks for having me. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and give us a brief description of what your business is, please? So my business is called ASAP Nutrition Limited, and basically what we do is we make vegan protein milkshakes. Um, so we're basically trying to target kind of two demographics, one being vegans who need to get more protein in their diet because it's kind of the most common thing that people say about a vegan diet is it's low protein. So trying to give them an option and educate them. And then the other side of it is trying to give an option to people who currently drink dairy products, such as like Connecticut's or Avamore, and give them like a healthier, all natural, lower sugar, vegan version. That tastes just as good. Um, and yeah, that's basically it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds brilliant. And, you know, I know you're targeting the Irish market first and there's a, there, you know, there is a clear um niche in that market for exactly what you're trying to offer yeah 100 percent. like in ireland it's it's kind of gas you wouldn't think but dublin is now the city with the most vegan options in terms of food in the world um, in the world in the world yeah and wow. london is the best i think per capita the highest amount of vegans maybe that's the two stats i'm thinking of yeah so okay. dublin is very good for for options most of them are like foods restaurants takeout that kind of thing Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of like protein bars, there's lots of protein powders, but there's a clear gap for a sort of on the go drink. There just was nothing there. Uh, and there's loads of dairy ones. So the idea kind of generated like um, about two or three years ago now when I went vegan and I would have drank a lot of like the Abmore protein milks and stuff like that. Yeah. After the gym, pick it up, uh, just something nice to drink. And like there was literally nothing at all. So we've seen that gap and there was no one coming in. We spent about a year and a half working on it. So um, yeah. That that niche is still there, and we're we're filling at the minute. Yeah, no, brilliant. It's great to see. You know, healthy options are more than welcome. Absolutely. And uh, so, what would you say your your primary motive for starting the business was? Um, it's kind of hard to say because it was kind of like a step process. Like I went vegan. Um, I kind of like once you first go vegan, you're just kind of like exploring what food you can eat. Um, it's almost like a clean slate. You kind of have to get rid of nearly everything you were eating beforehand and start again. So like I started eating when I first went vegan, lots of fiber, lots of beans, lots of broccoli, which basically just like messed up my system and like <laughs> had me blown out of both ends for a while. So I kind of had to take a step back <laughs> and figure it out. Um, so then like, you know, looking at protein powders and stuff like that. And then I just started to see there was nothing that I really liked in Ireland. I tried loads of different protein powders. From my bulk powders, from my vegan, from the Holland and Barrett's, uh, Opium Nutrition, all of these, I didn't like any of them. But quite grainy, or if they were non-grainy, they'd put a lot of fillers in to cover up the grain, which is kind of disgusting. Then there's protein synthetic. bars. Synthetic, exactly. Artificial, like artificial sweeteners, artificial everything. There was protein bars as well. Uh, they were like high in sugar, high in calories, low in protein. Um, so basically just like one day, I just started whipping up a few shakes at home. Originally, I tried to make my own oat milk, but it kept coming out really slimy. Okay, uh, so the actual the actual process of making milk from the oats itself 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I get the oats and I blend them up. I get the cheesecloth out and make them that way. <laughs> <laughs> it had dates in it originally, I'm pretty sure. I was blending up dates, but they just got too bitty. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, lot of playing around. And then it's only when I went up to Dublin to live with you guys. And then um, I was talking to Paddy about it. He sort of said this was a good idea. And then we really kind of focused in on, on trying to actually do it and try and solve that problem. And Potty, that's your your business partner. Your sorry, yeah, co-founder, business partner, yeah, co-founder, yeah, yeah, man, Potty. So he's the man, Potty. <laughs> he's he's the spark for for driving the business. He he ignited, yeah. Like he, um, I had loads of ideas, and basically he was just a kind of driving force to get the ideas out of my head and actually start to do something. Um, I still the way it goes today. Like uh, he's just a, a very big driving force, so he's a real push to get things done, which yeah. Is amazing for a small company because we have to do so much ourselves. Yeah, oh, you have to, you know, do everything. Pretty much Absolutely everything. everything. Clean the toilets, everything. <laughs> Literally everything, yeah. And uh, yeah, so you you, th- you think having that like sort of dynamic, having someone to bounce ideas off. And and like yeah. you say, so Paddy's sort of, he's someone who really wants to get something done. Um, Kind of like what you said there, you're, you have a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. It's good to have someone to kind of take some of the ideas and push push the driver forward absolutely and like it can work in not just that but in like different ways like even just different personality traits work so although mm-hmm. he wants to get things done i am almost like i need to have certain things done and i get like very impatient if things aren't done whereas he'll try and like calm me down in a sense and i like put structure on it and say no we get this done at this stage and it's fine as long as you can structure it, it's good. But even things like when we were making the drinks initially, like I would have just got bed into food science and understand everything behind how all of the different components of drink are going to work together, how like different pHs are going to work with different proteins and different things you put in it to like counteract different flavors. And Paddy was happy to let me do that, whereas he could focus more on, at the time, reaching out to manufacturers and going calls to them to get us someone that we could work with. So we, a lot of the times we just take different parts of the business. So now that we've launched, it's more, I kind of look after more social media marketing, that side of things. Body's more on the invoicing and shop side, dealing with the, like our distributor. We kind of split it up like that. Whereas I think if you had all of this just on your own, it'd be quite overwhelming. Hmm. It could be quite good to just like put dependency on someone and let someone take a portion of it off you. Yeah. Cause there is a lot, there's a lot to juggle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I even noticed that myself because uh, we started a little cafe this summer. Yep. And kind of like that, it's sort of a similar dynamic. I was kind of come up with ideas. Like every day I come up with a sort of new idea and it's like, oh, this is a great idea. And then I'd start it, but I might not, I'd be more inclined to kind of not finish it mm. or not fully see it through and get caught up in another idea. But then Kate was yeah. always there like, what are you doing? We have to get this done. It's like she was really just someone who kind of drives something through after the, the initial euphoria of coming up with the idea. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. Like, until you have another idea that gives you a new bit of dopamine that you're chasing for a yeah, while. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you get the dopamine hit when you, when you finally see something true too. That's true. That's true. Uh, definitely. Uh, I don't know if you're a big reader, but if you are, what would be your favorite books that have kind of had an impact in uh your drive to to start the business or um, would there be any maybe more articles or even it's podcasts hard, it's, it's hard to say because like the majority of the books that um that i read are 
fiction, to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't really read too much um, kind of like business side books or like marketing books or anything like that. Polly's actually, he's quite into that. Or like self-development books. Yeah, like I don't that. really read any of that. Um, I don't know if I'm kind of a bit arrogant or ignorant to it. I like to do everything myself. <laughs> and uh, I don't like rules and structure that I don't make myself if that makes makes sense to us. So no, I kind of run away from them things, even though I know they, they definitely can be helpful. Um, and I, I tend to just like fiction books because it's like uh, a nice little break to kind of not think about them things. Um, although there was one book I did read, it didn't really push me in towards business, but just had a massive impact in my life was a book called uh, Fingerprint of the Gods. Aha, uh-huh. Fingerprint of yeah. Oh, that's by, I know him. Uh, Do you want to know him? Yeah, please tell me. It's uh, Graham Hancock. Graham Hancock, yeah. Yeah, a, brilliant book, amazing book. A much featured guest on Joe Rogan. I think he's one of Joe Rogan's very favorites, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him a good few times. But yeah, but would you consider that fiction? No, that's not fiction. Um, I guess it's alternate history is what he'd, he'd probably call it. Like, or mm. I know he would call it history. Yes, yes, yes. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The was skeptics great. That, might the not. Skeptics, yeah, yeah. That was one book like I hadn't read in like a, like properly in a couple of years, and then yeah. um, that just like really just drew me in, and then I actually started reading again after that. But uh, that was the first book in a long time that just like absolutely grabbed me, and I couldn't put it down. I nearly had insomnia for a while. I was reading it so much, I just wouldn't go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> a real page turner. A real page turner, yeah. Um, I actually ended up reading like five or six of his books after that. But yeah, it was very good. Wow, yeah. I was like that as well. Like I never read a book in, in years upon years. And then I kind of got into self-development books. Um, okay. And that kind of, yeah. Uh, one in particular I really liked was, oh, what's it called? Psycho-Cybernetics was written in the 50s by a plastic surgeon. Okay. So the plastic surgeon was seeing get people, patients coming into him over and over again to look for an ear, ear reduction or a nose reduction or something because they, they felt in their head that they had um, something about their appearance that made them ugly mm. and they had self-esteem or confidence issues because of it. But then he kind of discovered and made a theory that it was all to do with the self-image and how you see yourself, not actually how you do look. Okay. Um, like a dysmorphia kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dysmorphia, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, very interesting book. And yeah, written in the 50s. So I, I like books like that that are, you know, really delving into the mind that are actually from way back in the day. And you read them and it's like, oh, it's still completely relevant today. That's interesting. And have you read much books like that? Did you get much benefit from reading them? Um... I definitely got benefit. I like all them sort of books, self-help books in particular have, they'll have like, you know, uh, tasks or mm-hmm. things for you to do. Um, at the end of each chapter, I've never really done any of the things. I kind of just uh, read the books actually more into audiobooks actually. So okay. I don't even have the book to, <laughs> to actually know what the task is <laughs> once you're finished driving around and you're, cause I, I listen to it. I'm driving around, but, yeah. um, I think just literally just, you know, consuming that information, even while you're driving around, it can't be not beneficial. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's dead time really, isn't it, when you're driving around? So Exactly, man. And, you know, it's 10 times better than listening to daytime radio or <sighs> pop music in general, I think. Exactly. That's just the, that's the opposite. That's probably even damaging. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting. Yeah. There's actually a book I did read. Um, what is it called? It was quite a similar name to what you said there. Uh, it's was it the the something biotic revolution, microbiotic revolution. Hmm. Not, I'm not sure. <clears throat> I've never heard. Very interesting book is wrote by this woman from I think she was from America, but it was um, she got two PhD professors from Cork University. It's a really famous book, and um, <clears throat> they were looking into the gut biome, mm, the microbiome, and the microbiome. Yeah, mm. and what they kind of theorized and they backed up in all of their studies was that a lot of anxiety and depression, most of that is caused by inflammation which then sends certain signals to your body for distress. And where a lot of that information comes is your gut. Yeah. So what they were saying was that diet or like, you know, just not having a lot of fiber in your diet and stuff like that, or even exercising, which releases certain hormones. If you don't do that, you are at a higher risk of developing anxiety or depression because your gut is inflamed and your gut is your second brain. And it literally talks to your brain every day. And it's, it's sending the signals for food. I feel good. I feel happy, whatever. So that was a super interesting book. And that yeah. actually kind of did get me a bit into the health side of things. Um, maybe why we end up kind of thinking about a health product overall. But yeah, that was a super, super interesting book. Yeah, I remember hearing about microbiome in college when, what was it, second year? So that was 2016. Um, yeah, it was really fascinating. But it was still not very discussed or not very heard of at, the t at that time. And mm. it's a lot more discussed now, the, the second brain, you know, within the gut. But yeah, it blew my mind actually when we done when we learned about that in college. It's kind of um, bizarre to think there's trillions of little dudes living inside you that can get upset and angry if you don't uh, appease them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but was it something to do with you know when you're when you're out of sync, you're out of alignment, or you know if you're maybe more anxious, it's because there's actually more of a certain type of bacteria. I think so. In ratio to other, but but again, it all depends on. Like your microbiome in perfect balance could be a totally different exactly, makeup yeah. of microorganisms than mine. Exactly. And the thing is as well, is like, but even when you take like antibiotics, it's a big reason they don't want to give people antibiotics, not even yeah. just antibiotic resistance, but even just having those antibiotics flushes out your biome at the time. So, you know, like a lot of people it's say- It's like a nuclear bomb. It's like a nuclear bomb, just clear the whole thing and you yeah. move on, like, you know what I mean? Um, so that's why a lot of people say to take probiotics if you're taking an antibiotic, doing like some sort of yogurt or something. But um, yeah, like it seems to just like control massive amounts of your mood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so much we don't know. <laughs> Literally, there's so much you learn, even just from podcasts themselves. Like you just pick up so much little bits of information you can put into your own life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. What would you consider the most worthwhile thing that you've done in your life? This is a big one. <laughs> and <laughs> can you tell us a bit about it, please? Uh, it could be worthwhile for like yourself, anyone else, or like a group of other people, something like that. Um, it's hard to say. Like, if it was like along the lines of accomplishment, I think qualifying as an actuary, even though mm. being an actuary isn't like necessarily my passion, but that was a seriously long process. Like that was... Having to get a certain number of points in the leaving cert and then having yeah, to... Yeah, it starts early. It starts early, yeah. And then you do your four years in college. But even within that, you need to pass eight actuarial exams in college that are like accredited by the society outside of college. So you, you, I got them. And then after that sort of four or five years, working 40 hours a week and studying 40 hours a week, 
And those exams are so much more difficult. Like you can only really do one at a time, sometimes two. And the pass rate's like 65 to 70%. So it's real, real cutthroat. Um, yeah, that, so was, you, that was a lot like. So you consider those exams are more difficult than the actual exams through college? Yeah, because to be honest, well, I don't know. Some people think it think it's kind of different. Um, it's depending on, I don't know what you kind of like. So for me, I love maths, pure maths. I love like, I love learning about linear algebra. I love learning uh, by statistics. I love learning about code and cryptography. I love the real sitting down with a piece of paper and figuring stuff out with, with yeah. just theorems and proofs and stuff. Something I love that has that. a, like it has an actual answer, a perfect answer that you can yeah, find. Yeah, exactly. And like you, you're just, you're kind of just sitting there, nothing else going on and just figuring out this problem, problem solve this problem. And these are your tools. And you still kind of, I still do that today, just in a different way. But the exams after college became more about thinking about the environment, the economic environment as a whole. So all the different factors that come in, um, so it's less technical. Mm-hmm. I would say like not as much maths was being used, not as much like higher level maths would, would be used. Whereas it was more like, okay, you, you're, you're good at maths, you have them skills, that means you're a problem solver. Because that's all really a maths degree is showing you that you can solve problems and then apply that now to the real world. So still able to do it, but I just much prefer the technical stuff. While if you ask some other people, they will say they hated studying about probability distributions, but they don't mind studying about insurance premium. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much uh, love hate. Definitely love hate. Um but yeah, I'd say that that was like maybe the biggest accomplishment. But like I think maybe more of what's been the most meaningful is like since kind of going vegan and starting this journey in ASAP has given me a lot more like satisfaction and there's a lot more passion involved than it would be for like my day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. Even just the impact on my health, just just impact and even at home here people like my family and house have all kind of gone veggie vegan and like the different food we make like we're all better cooks because of it we eat way more healthy we explore different foods more open to things um yeah i think it's definitely been super super impactful nice man that's uh you're a force for good in the world you're you're improving diets yeah, you feel like if you can just change one person at a time's diet to be a little bit healthier, then you're doing something good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you you know if you do something in the world and you know it positively affects even like you say one person, you know that's definitely something worth doing. Exactly, and and help a few cows as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the poor cows, the man, they have a hard time. They have it rough. Um. So yeah, so that that was your. That was probably the biggest success that you had to work and grind for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, eight, the, eight, the, eight the grind. Years. Yeah, well, to be fair, the grind to get our drinks produced was one of the most stressful mm. <laughs> experiences of my life because we just kept on getting pushed back every two or three weeks. Like it took us an extra six months to actually get the drinks in our hand. Now, when you say pushback, do you mean pushback from people who were advising you or pushback for were people telling you maybe that, you know, it's not going to be successful, you know, not to bother. Um, no, it was kind of, it's from the manufacturer, right? So what was happening was we end up doing 16 rounds of samples. And so what would happen was we would talk to manufacturer online because they weren't close to us. So we'd have to, they'd have to ship it to us. And uh, they send us like, let's say the chocolate and the vanilla. And, uh, and strawberry which we're trying to time but we went with chocolate and vanilla for the two milkshakes um so they would send them to us it would take them about a week to prepare them or 10 days and then we would taste them if we didn't like one thing like okay the stevia is slightly too high there's a little bit too much 
um, coconut and that, like shock flavors not coming through. We'll be tweaking one bit at a time and it'll end up being 16 rounds. So that in itself took a long time. Um, but on top of that, it was when we were finally ready to go, like we had agreed, okay, these are perfect. Let's move on have production. That was another couple of months or even three months nearly because we would be keep, kept holding it, get, kept being told a date. Let's say, okay, we're going to make the drinks on the on the 10th of March. We would come to the 10th of March and the day before, they would email us saying, we can't fit you in this production run. The bottles don't work. There's some issue with something. Like you name it, they had a they had a problem and it just kept on getting pushed and pushed and pushed. So we basically had a meeting with them and said we were going to go elsewhere. And then lo and behold, they had met them within about two weeks. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like that was an incredible grind. Just like getting so close every time to being yeah. told the day before. And the most irritating thing with that was we were telling everyone, yes, okay, when we produce it, four weeks we'll launch because we'll get all of our marketing done, we'll all of our pictures done. So we kept having these dates and we kept having these food festivals we were supposed to go to, um, like Taste of Dublin. You didn't even have a product then? No, but we, were, we, we had planned because we were supposed to go to the likes of Taste of Dublin or yeah. all these other ones. Because they told us that we'll produce them on this date, so then we could plan forward. Of course, yeah. But then we never got them on this date. Yeah. So that, that is... was that was a grind and a half. Yeah, absolutely. And like has, there been, has there been any issues like that since, um, since you've got you know the initial, the initial product launched? Have, have they for like a second or third batch? Have they messed around like that, or have they been on the ball? Um, no, so we haven't got a, another batch yet because we've got a huge order, um, okay. which we should, we'll get through, but do we put in another order maybe early next year? I'd say most likely, um, excuse me. Um, and, um, what we've done is we've kind of pre-booked certain ingredients that, so there's things called lead times. So, uh, if you want to get something produced or meds, anything, they'll tell you, okay, there's a 10 week lead time or a two week lead time or 10 days. That's how long until it'll actually start. Oh, until they start to make yeah. to make the product. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll arrive to you hopefully pretty quick. So <clears throat> we had about a 12-week lead time, but because we pre-booked certain ingredients, um, that's gone down to like four. So we'll put an order in in the month's time we should get them. So can you explain that in a bit more detail? Um, you pre-booked the ingredients with the manufacturer themselves? Yeah, so how, how a co-manufacturer works is they, they produce... Um, products for lots of different companies. Yeah. So basically, what they're doing is they're like contracting out manufacturing. So what they call co-manufacturers. So because we don't have the money to set up uh, a plant right now. Of course, yeah. Because we're we're a small company and we're growing. Um. So you basically outsource everything to them. Um. And you have two options. You can go and buy the ingredients yourself, and that's a huge order. So you have to buy like. 10 tons of cocoa powder and like 20 tons of protein powder. And yeah. I don't know where you're going to store that. Like you, out the you back. need a few shopping trolleys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put in the shed out the back. But, um, but what you can do is you can like ask them what their ingredients are and see, okay, can we like, can we use them and maybe substitute a few things out and uh, just okay. work with what you have? Cause then we don't have to buy the big bulk order. They already have it. With so we can just yeah. use bits off it and it's cheaper cause you buy in bulk. Um, but certain things like our natural flavorings, let's say, um, they're specific to us because we find one we really liked and um, we just booked that in advance for next time so we have a, they bought future stock that we can use for our next room okay so they bought it yeah and that will that will save us a lot of time 
Okay. Yeah. So like, what, what was he mentioned for? It's from 12 weeks, the initial lead time to four weeks. It can be like if, because the reason is some of those ingredients have a four to eight week lead time and then yeah. they themselves have four week lead time. So if you don't have the ingredients that could push out to 12 weeks, which like is a crazy amount of time when you're trying to go to shops. If you run out of stock for three months, you're gone. Yeah. 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 And I suppose you're, you're lucky in a way that none of your, your base ingredients would be, do they have a small shelf life? Or yeah. So would. Um, no, not really. So basically everything we use, um, once you mix it into the drink, what happens is they have, um, it's called UHT. Yeah. So they, you, you mix up the drink and, and the ingredients that we put into the drink, usually they, they have quite a long shelf life. Maybe bar coconut cream would probably be the one that has the smaller shelf life, but, um, our manufacturer that we use, will use that in certain different products. So there's a decent rollover for that or turnover. Um, but for our drinks, once you mix them, it's mixed in their machinery and then it's heated up to a certain temperature. It's sort of like pasteurizing milk yeah, where all the bacteria is killed. Yeah. So then you basically have a, a super long shelf life drink. So I think ours is 12 months, which is actually huge for going to retail because if you're a product that's going to go off in three or four weeks and you're in storage at the back and they forget about you, they just lose money. So that's kind of one of the number one things you actually get asked for in retail is, is your shelf life. Yeah, so that's the retailer is it protects them. Uh, so, so, yeah. so, so in the scenario you just mentioned, if they lose the drinks out the back and forget to put them on the shelf or misplace them, then it's only them that's that's yeah going to lose money because they have initially purchased them exactly. for a flat price off you. Exactly, they purchase it off you and then they sell it to the customer with a margin that they make money on. Yeah. So like if you're going to bring out a short shelf life product, it's a really hard sell if there's products that exist that have a longer shelf life. Unless you're absolutely amazing, you're going to fly off the shelf, like fresh milk will fly off the shelf because everybody needs milk and butter and cream. Well, they think to do. Uh, we think to do. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of ways. <laughs> but yeah, like you, you need to like, you, you need to get the long shelf life. It's, it's the first question they ask. The other question yeah. they always ask is, can we store it not in a fridge, like out the back? Because the fridge costs money to run. Of course. Yes. It's, and it's what, six, seven, eight, who knows how many times more expenses are in a fridge this year than last year that's a good point yeah so actually do you know what it's a good point because um we there's a company that we know called um you might know it as well actually it's a vegan sandwich company i like them? sandwiches you like sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> and they're vegan ones they are nice but they actually had to close their doors they were in um grafton street and smithfield because of the cost of they had uh, two stores they had two stores yeah they closed both of them Closed both both yeah because the rent doubled in grafton street uh, over the last two years and then the price to just run the place electricity gas everything just went through the roof you couldn't afford it and bear in mind these would have been one of the big players like they yeah. they have products in super value and tesco everywhere that's Massive. crazy that's crazy mm. you know and and looking at it objectively you know just after saying that if we are as people are predicting on the cusp of you know another downturn economic downturn a recession it's all about what companies are resilient and able to, you know, withstand the lack of uh, liquidity or lack of cash or, and like you're saying there with a, a long sh shelf life that can only bode well. Exactly. Exactly. No, it really does. And like, it's just kind of, it's kind of the difference because if, if you're a fresh food or if you're a restaurant, you literally need to sell that on the day that you make it or the week that you make it. And you get hit with some heavy bills. Your liquidity is usually quite low because you're just, 
buying ingredients and flipping that into food constantly. So one bad month puts you in a bad yeah. rut, if you know what I mean, and that can like get yeah. overwhelming. And I guess that's why some have to close. Absolutely. And even on the waste, you know, from the cafe that we had, we, <clears throat> we, you know, we encountered a good bit of waste, but luckily we were, you know, a very small mm. operator. You know, if we, like, we use full fat milk, dairy milk, we might have one, two liters to bring back. Um, yeah. It has to be used because we're only open on the weekend. So we're only open Saturday, Sunday. So unless something goes dreadfully wrong, we'll only have one open milk at a time. <laughs> and, how did, <laughs> and how did you find actually like in Carrick and Shannon, the amount of people who drink normal milk or... That's interesting. Yes. So what, the, what, what would you assume? Like, because you know, we offered, we offered uh, cappuccinos, lattes, flat whites, you know, all, all the standard... Um, milky drinks and mm -hmm. I would no we didn't track it but I would hazard a guess that it was 90% of our sales were just you know full fat milk not even light milk just full fat milk just regular okay. just I was surprised I thought that there would be more um, so we offered oat milk as our non-dairy milk yeah, definitely the most popular as well. Yeah, and it, it, it mixes quite well for like mm. a cappuccino or latte. Um, yeah, I was quite surprised. And what I did find is that a lot of the groups that came in to do kayaking uh, were, there were younger people. Okay. They were the ones that were, that were having oat milk and more female than male as well so younger females were definitely the the highest purchaser of oat milk uh coffee drinks without a doubt yeah like i know from like our research and we looked into plant-based milk at the start that there was a crazy stat where it was uh 75 percent of women between the age of 25 and 35 have at least used plant milk in a year and then it was something along the lines of like two-thirds of that group uh, we're making the switch, which was huge. And then it drops significantly in for men, uh, as I'm sure you've seen, and then older people as well, it, it drops quite low. But that yeah. demographic seems to be like the real force behind it, pushing it. And that's very, that's very interesting. That's literally pretty much what I just described. So much. Um... It was funny, like you mightn't think it, but in most cases, women drive change in retail and food because they're more likely to try new things and they're more likely to buy more mm -hmm. in shops. Um, while lads are a lot more regimented than what they buy. Yeah. You know, they go in and they just get, get the chicken, get their beef, get their milk, get the few bits they need, <laughs> get their spuds. Yeah. But while girls are a lot more open to it and like it's, it's across like any of the sort of new products in the, in the kind of vegan world or vegetarian or health food, it's kind of nearly all driven mostly now yeah, by of course, the female yeah. demographic. Yeah. Very interesting. So, on that then do you think uh you're going to target um females rather than males with your social media or even regular media <clears throat> um advertising campaigns um it's kind of hard to say so it was definitely we knew from the beginning that that's our target market for mm -hmm. sure um so we don't not target them um but we don't not target other groups as well what what we usually target is around the ages of like 18 to 35, but also yeah. older people 
people older than that as well. But what we've just found is that seems to be where the majority of sales lie or even just the majority of interest. So there might be people who click on our Instagram or will watch our videos or look at our our posts. Um, when we use influencers, it's um, definitely we get more attention from female users 100%. And we also find that like it's the influencers you use that we use that if we use someone, um, let's say if we use an influencer who's into health and she's got a certain amount of followers and a loyal following, it's mostly female, a lot more of them will purchase and buy because they trust her. Whereas yeah. lads seem to be a bit more distrusting of influencers or that whole culture. They don't seem to really take much heat off it. Yeah. So that's kind of what we, we've noticed. So we, we, we definitely try to be open because like we are for everybody and everyone can drink us. And like uh, one thing that, but actually has been shown to us as quite a good market is people who are gluten-free or just, or sorry, not gluten-free, gluten intolerance or people with any allergens at all because we have no allergens. And we noticed when we did like that veg fest, the veg festival a couple of weeks ago, you might people come up to us asking, was there gluten in it? Was there this in it? Was there soy in it? Because they all have different like reactions to that. Yeah. That was a huge market too. Um, but I do, tech, I do think it's definitely growing from the male uh, side of it, but females definitely are like at the forefront of changing that area yeah and just for anyone listening um if there is anyone listening <laughs> what so your drink is gluten-free and, and and what else so it's no allergens at all so it's completely allergen free so we've gluten-free dairy-free nut-free soy-free cruelty-free <laughs> fantastic great stuff and and talk to us about a bit about veg fest you, you mentioned veg fest veg fest there i was mm. I, I couldn't make it that weekend. It was, it's, from my reading, it's Dublin's largest vegan festival or Ireland's probably. Indeed. Yeah, I think it's Ireland's. Um, there's a few of them uh, on across Europe. So there's one in London, I think, in two weeks. I think they're, they're a brand or they're at least part of a, a bigger. Yeah, VegFest itself is a brand. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, unless they just copied the name, they could have just done that either. But um, yeah, it was really cool. So like basically it was about 30 or 40 vegan Irish companies and or brands selling selling and showcasing their products. So it was our first real chance to go and meet like people who follow us on Instagram, people who bought our drinks, show it off to new people. And did people sorry to cut in, did did people who found you through Instagram or through social media, did they then find you in in real life at VegFest and, and come up and chat? Yeah, that was like, that was the main thing. So, so many people will come up to us. And it's funny because people keep coming up to us. Um, they'd be like, we've seen you somewhere. We don't know where. <laughs> and I knew where it's because I had, I had ads going <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> and I knew I'd find, that's where they're seeing me or seen us. And uh, they're like, no, I've seen you. I just didn't want to buy because, you know, I don't like to buy from brands. I don't know who's behind it or. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that. So once uh, a lot of people have met myself or business partner party, um, we just start to see a few orders flowing through from the people who met us that day. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were just happy to meet the people behind it and ask us questions like ask us about different ingredients. Why didn't we do this? Why did we do that? Our rationale. Um, and just get people to taste it who haven't tasted it. Because the thing is, we're doing our retail rollout at the minute. So we're in about 40 stores and that's going to grow. 40? 40, yeah. Yeah, so it's growing. Um, and... The thing is online, you buy six six bottles or 12. So some people hadn't tried it because it was in the store near them and understandably didn't want to buy six bottles without trying it. So 
we had loads of people come and try it and like the vast majority loved it. So um yeah, it was also just great to talk to people and kind of showcase what you built. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And the other, the other thing which is great was meeting all the other Irish brands that we met so many people. Um met a really cool company actually, or this girl had a company called Banana Melon or something like that, but she was making vegan cheese. But that's actually very, very good. Like really good. And it's just made from cashews, uh, water, salt, and then whatever she puts in, like truffles or chilies or whatever. And she ferments it. And it sort of somehow forms like cream cheese texture. But it is beautiful. Wow. So I'm excited for her to launch that product. Yeah, vegan cheese. That's definitely somewhere where vegan food products can improve. I've had vegan cheese and mm, I wouldn't sure. I wouldn't be a huge fan, but mm, no. A cashew. I, I basically just don't eat cheese because I don't like any of the vegan cheese, to be honest. It's it's so it's something about it. It's oily or sticky or gooey. It's just not yeah. It's not cheese. Yeah. Again, we made cheese in college one time with a with a like a what is that? cheese net or cheese wire I, i'm not sure like a cloth oh cheese cloth yeah no oh, cheese cloth that's it cheese wire <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't that like the thing hitman uses agent 47 yeah yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what <he> uses, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah it's a weird process it's weird seeing it happen everything just curdles up and it's just like ugh. what do you use to curdle it because i know with like vegan milks that's how you make tofu tofu is just soy milk you put in lemon juice or nigiri and it just curdles up Mm-hmm. Take out the curdles and you squeeze it all the water, and that's tofu. Oh, sounds appealing. <laughs> <laughs> so is tofu just cheese? <laughs> Wait, have we been lied to all along? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I, I can't really remember that 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 class. But I remember that's what way was. I think way and and casting have something to do with that as well. Mm. The, the 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 protein products. I think it's the whey that comes out and then the cheese. No, I'm talking I'm talking nonsense now. Do you know what? Actually, there's an interesting company in the US and they're releasing this next year. So basically what they've done is they've figured out a way to replicate casein, mm-hmm. but not through a cow. So I think they started with an original cell from a cow and they're using yeast to ferment whatever form of casein they're making and make cheese. But the difference in this and other vegan cheese is this is going to be bioidentical to real cheese. So it will be cheese, just not from a cow. Whoa. Yeah. Does that dance across the line of what is and what isn't vegan? Uh, it might do, but I mean, like, a cell doesn't have to be taken in a bad way. And I think True. if you're if you're really going to get into the, like, semantics of that, that's just a little bit yeah pedantic, really. Like, if you're, you know... It's like a small, tiny thing for a greater good. Exactly, yeah. But it's it's supposed to be amazing. Like, it's supposed to be cheese, like actually cheese. That's I think some um, some company invested $120 million into them this year because they showcased that this is going to work. So that could be that could be the change of all that. You can actually like, get some nice cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> <a> <laughs> <big> buzzing. <laughs> might go downstairs and get some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving. But um, that sounds like a brilliant idea, to be honest. Actually, if you can take cells without harming an animal and then you can recreate in a lab. Wow, yeah, that's... I never really thought of it like that because I, I, the way I would have thought about, you know, food is, or, you know, vegan or non-vegan food is, on the one hand, you you have an animal and you have to abuse it and use it 
to get the food product and mm-hmm. on the other hand you don't go near animals but that's 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 quite interesting there now do you know it's kind of similar if you think about it to like those companies making uh the meat lab grown meat because i think they would start with an initial culture or a cell or something to replicate beef and then or chicken or whatever they're making i don't know the process for making it but i think they do start with like an initial at least dna or something to to create that yeah yeah well, it makes complete sense now i never really thought about it in in any great detail hmm. man in 10 years time the food products on offer is going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Like I was, I was talking to someone before about this, and I like I see a lot of the big tech companies is going to be food tech. Yeah. So like you know, like Beyond Meat and all these companies, it's almost becoming like big tech is taking over food with all these kind of innovative products that they're bringing out. The big tech's coming for issues, every industry. You know? Pretty much, pretty much seems to be that way. Even real life. <laughs> yeah, we'll all be hooked up to the metaverse. The metaverse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't wait. Yeah, should be good. Going holidays that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't even have to leave the couch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, should we jump straight back into the questions here? So, yeah, go on. So that, so, what would you consider your biggest failure, um, in life? be it business, relationship, anything like that that you've had to face and overcome? It's kind of hard to say. Um, one thing that was hard to overcome for a long time was when I tried to move to Australia. Maybe I think it was just before COVID started. So it was January 2020. I quit my job, sold everything. Um, literally just like got rid of the house I was staying in as an Got my name off the lease and just went, um, with like a backpack and whatever money I had. So the plan was to go to Australia after traveling Asia for three to four months. Um, got Asia traveling in, got as far as Bali. COVID hit hard <laughs> and uh, we couldn't get in anywhere. And we got kicked out of Bali more or less. They didn't want us there. And then Australia couldn't get a visa. So then it was to come back home to COVID and them two years were a real sickler. Well, they were sickler for everyone, really, let's be honest. But it took me a while to kind of like let that go um just kind of like what could have been there's no point living in the past but it took me a very bitter for maybe nearly two years about that whole thing um so like you know even doing things like the company i would have put that on the long finger because i was just annoyed and felt like i needed to go you know what i mean yeah um so that was that was a real that was a real kick in the ass but yeah that definitely it definitely would have been it's not necessarily a failure because there's nothing you could do but it was probably something that took me a while to get over. Yeah, absolutely. But then, in the stoic principle of a more fatty, trying to find the best in every situation that you're presented, you probably, with all the free time of we you know working from home and working living with your business partner, you mm-hmm. probably had the ideal breeding ground to get the business up and running and off the ground. It's funny, it's true though, isn't it? It's like you. You never would have got that much time to just think about things and figure things out. And like a huge thing was like remote working. Yeah. My industry working as an actuary, that was just a no-no. I remember when I worked in EY, we had laptops that we could bring home. Because a lot of times in companies, you would actually just work on a big, you know, hard drive PC on your desk and you wouldn't bring a with you when you leave. Oh, yeah. But EY, we had the little That was laptops. the dark days, the old days. <laughs> that was the dark days. Yeah, that was the dark ages. <laughs> 
Once that changed, and um, but I remember I wasn't even allowed to do that. We couldn't even take, we couldn't even work from home one day a week in EY without signing like all these HR forms. Mad, and stuff. isn't it? Absolutely mental. mental. And you fast have to forward go, a couple of years, and it's gone. they don't want you in the office. No, they actually don't because they want to downsize and they don't want to pay yeah, for. They don't, want to, they don't want to pay them electric bills. They don't want to pay them. Exactly. It's just gas, like getting up five days a week, putting the suit and tie on, and freezing cold and going in miserable in the pissing rain, and. Like all you needed to do was be able to just work at your desk and that just changed everything. Really did. Yeah, absolutely crazy. What do you think? It's a completely different world though. I mean, even like traveling and going on holidays and look, I don't even use my holidays as much anymore because I'll go to a city and I stay there for a month and I maybe would take a couple, like maybe Fridays off or Mondays maybe, long do some long weekends. But I can experience the city and once you work and you, know, you have a bit of structure, so you're actually living a kind of normal sort of life there. You can just travel and see so many things without having to use your holidays because you can just work on your laptop. Like it yes. just opens up the world with so many possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. But that it wouldn't should... happen without COVID. Exactly, man. Exactly. You know, and that is, that is seeing the best of the situation. Like it has turned the world upside down and you know, it's not really looking like it's going to turn around or you know go back to what it was but i don't see of... how you how you could though because if you were an employer and you said right look we're going back five days a week you know some people might stay but everyone's gone most people will go yeah yeah go to the company that's offering the good benefits exactly because they're already there i don't think you can ever take them away exactly you know that's one great thing about capitalism if one company is going to offer it's going to offer you know work from home and they're not even going to care where home is, mm. then how are you going that's to That's where the talent that? goes. That's what? That's where the talent goes. Exactly. That's where the yeah. talent goes. Uh, it's funny, actually, because I know the Central Bank, um, Irish Central Bank, anyway, they're, they're back to 50% um, in the office. So really? Over a two, yeah, over a two-week period. So you can do one week in the office and then one week at home or two days you know, in the office and in three days at home and in three days in the office and in two days at home. But that's what they're meant to be doing anyway, I think. Whether that keeps up or not, don't know. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Do you know, I just kind of feel like that's just such a manual overhead for anyone to have to keep track of for no real reason. Yeah, and then it goes back to like, you know, if their office can hold, I don't know, this is arbitrary numbers, can hold 10,000 people, you know, before obviously COVID, but they're only having 50% of the people, let's say, you're only having 5,000 people in the office at any one time, then you're heating the whole office. You know, you're running the whole office when you probably don't need it. So, exactly. yeah, it's funny how that, see how that one goes. Yeah, so, I mean, especially with the, oh, so sorry, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, 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 please, please, you go no, ahead. No, I was just going to say with the price of fuel and everything, it's it's going to get more pushed to work from home. Yeah, the, the, the cost of living crisis, everything, yeah. uh, everything is the crisis these days. <laughs> Literally, you name it, it's a crisis. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, when you turn off, when you turn your screens off, you know, you switch your social media off and you just kind of go about daily life, nothing feels any different anyway. That's true. There's no crisis impending. Yeah, yeah. Around the corner that we know of. Yeah, except when you go to pay for diesel or... <laughs> yeah, except when you hop in the car, yeah. Turn the, the lights back on. <laughs> yeah. Panic stations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Kian, you're obviously a very, very busy dude. you got a lot going on. Um, But what would you do for a release? What's your favourite sort of, like, release? Physical, mental, 
um anything like that i know from for me what i love doing one of the things i love doing is like playing astro five aside because it's just something i can jump into an hour and when i'm in playing you know it's intense and the ball is moving about a lot there's no real uh lulls you're always kind of active you're always kind of thinking okay where am i going to go where am i going to get the ball next thing it's over boom but then you know you just spent an hour you've got a good good bit of exercise in you got your mind completely switched off from everything everything business relationships everything in in the world you've literally just been thinking about trying to catch a little ball <laughs> put the ball in the net yeah um yeah no it's kind of in a similar way like for me the gym is quite like that <clears throat> it's kind of like meditation i find it's um going in with a sort of a with a goal that i want to be stronger than last time i was there and all other thoughts are kind of gone you're sort of in like a meditative state it's you know it's it's just like even just the process of lifting weights it's like it, it like you are being mindful of doing that and nothing else do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's kind of is like mindfulness practice because you need you need to be aware of what muscle you're using or if you want to do it correctly. So you need to be mindful of that. So that's what your mind is focused on. And you know that's about an hour or so similar to astro. Um and like that just is a great release, I find. Like any exercise is a great release, but it's just even the same as running, your mind is just detached from the problems of the day or yeah. how busy you are. And like it's just super important because like without that. You're just leading yourself to burn out, which can happen very, very easily. Um, but I love that. And, you know, I also like to give myself an iron even before bed, whether that's to read or to go down the YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> or something. Just to, like, just to, for a bit of fun almost, like, but just yeah. to disconnect from everything, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I no, think that's I'm, important too. Like. Yeah, I would 100% echo that sentiment. It's very important. You know, you need to take a, you know, as much as, you know, grinding and working as hard as possible is necessary it's also maybe not completely as necessary but quite necessary to switch off and to take time for yourself to to just relax a little bit without a doubt i mean like you can only grind so much until you you just burn out like that's just how, just what's going to happen like and if you give yourself breaks and time to just enjoy yourself um relaxed just disconnect that pushes that way out and like it's cumulative like if you just keep pushing 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 you're gonna you're gonna break and that's not productive to what you want to do because you're just you're going to be frustrated. You're not going to be able to work efficiently. Let's say, yeah, it's 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 like sort of um, when you're doing exams to not, even though I tend not do this, but it, to not cram <laughs> until like twenty minutes before the exam is to just get a good night's sleep and just relax. Oh, and it's the brain. best advice. It's just it's very best hard advice. To <laughs> very hard to do. Yeah, in in theory, it's great, but yeah, uh, it's but it's just like that. You know, if you've got a rested brain, you're going to be able to work better yeah 100% 100% agree with that so something that you've bought in the last year that has had a positive uh, effect on your life like just even like a small thing a anything in general for me one thing in particular has been the AeroPress which is What's that? it is a coffee maker okay. I bought it for 33 euro in the shop that I used to get my coffee beans from. I came across it, seen it, was interested in what it was. A few weeks later, at the cafe, <laughs> this <laughs> this guy, Harry John, <laughs> he came along and he he, he bought like two lattes um, that yeah. day from me and he came along again and he was like, yo man, 
you got the Aeropress. I was like, what? what? <laughs> goes, I've got, so he was living in like a camping trailer. Okay. Um, in, in, in the marina. But look, he was coming in and buying lattes, but he was like, yeah, I've got the Aeropress in, in the trailer. Have you ever seen it? And I was like, no, man, what is it? He's like, I'm going to get it. And I was like, great. Came back with this Aeropress. So it's, it's like, uh, well, it's like, it's hard to describe. It's like a tube thing. It's like a cylindrical tube. Right. And you have like filter papers and you you grind coffee beans and you put them into the tube and, and sit on top of the filter and then you press it. You, you let it brew for a certain amount of time and then you press it through. It It's not exactly an espresso that you make, but it's very similar to an espresso and you get like a, a small shot of coffee. I think I know. I think I've seen this before. Yeah. And and so yeah, the guy was just standing there smoking a cigarette and pushing his coffee through. And now and other customers just sitting and I was like, oh, this Aeropress looks cool. I'm not even going to tell him to, you know, <laughs> put the cigarette out and stop annoying other people. But <laughs> so he, he, he finally made the coffee um, and gave it to me. And I was like, I was blown away. It was so good. Really? It like, it's, yeah. It tastes different, yeah. It, it's like, you know, you know, a French press or like a, a cafetier, the, yeah, the glass yeah, yeah. coffee maker. It's like that, but it's better. It doesn't. It doesn't leave any residual grounds at all, and I think it has a smoother and less acidic, um, a, a less sharp taste. Really, really good. Like I, I, I'll drink that. I drink that every day. I could bring it to work. So I got the AeroPress Go. So it's maybe it's about the size of like a twelve ounce coffee cup. Okay. A little bit bigger. Bring it to work. Bring it hiking. Bring it surfing. Bring it anywhere. And all you need is hot water. So if you bring hot water in a flask and you have your air press and your beans, you're good to go. You've got serious coffee wherever you are. That's um, a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so it's, yeah. That 33 euro, best 33 euro I spent this year. Probably the last five years. Maybe ever, <laughs> Kian, maybe ever. <laughs> of all time. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just so happened. Yeah. After your man had shown me, I, I, st- I went in to buy my uh, coffee beans. So I used to go in and pick them up myself. And they had them for sale, and I was like, "No way! <laughs> Give me this." <laughs> that was the universe selling you something. Oh, absolutely! And and you know what? I I believe them signs a lot more, mm. uh, a lot more. Like I'd be thinking something, and then a few weeks later, the exact thing will appear somehow in, in front of you, and, and and now I just I'm like, okay, now I have to do this. Like I literally just have to do this now. Yeah. Exactly. And it could even be the fact that it was on your mind that you even noticed it more as a sign that you probably should get it because subconsciously you want it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, AeroPress. AeroPress Go. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. Might have to look for that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, what about yourself? Anything come to mind? Uh, yeah, it did. It did, yeah. Um, now, I didn't actually buy it. I just kept on doing free trials and using new email addresses <laughs> to do free trials. Classic. But uh, was Ableton. That, oh, that's just yes. been amazing. Uh, oh, you know yourself, it's just just great. Like that, to be able to just sit down and just like have a creative process, make something from scratch from your brain that didn't exist there before is just so much fun. Absolutely beautiful. For anyone that doesn't know, Ableton is a, a DAW, which is a digital audio workstation for creating music you can record music but ableton is more even um ableton is actually more targeted towards live like live Mm. music as far as i know but yeah just you know having a virtual synth 
getting inside a door and just spending hours just coming up with some wacky idea that was in your head. No, not <laughs> yeah, even the exactly. idea that was in your head, but it no, just came never, to never. you as, as it was, Literally. as you were going. It's so bizarre because you just start, you might pick something like a baseline or anything at all. And you have no idea where you're going to go with it. It's just whatever you're feeling at the time, you just end up creating something. And it's always never what you expected ever, which is just, it's just a great process to do. Ah, I absolutely love it. Mm. jamming away to your own tunes is a lot of fun <laughs> yeah yeah and then showing people and you know yeah. like the enthusiasm oh listen to this listen to this it's like <laughs> wrecking everyone's head <laughs> <laughs> listen this filter cut off <laughs> yeah and then and then you're you're there trying to explain every little minute <laughs> detail that oh did, did you hear what i did there and i was like no i just no. heard the music <laughs> <laughs> you hear it's pumping a bit more compressive yeah. i don't do anything man <laughs> and uh are, are, you, are you still whenever you get a chance would you still kind of tune in and, and try and create something uh not as much as i'd like to because i'm just busy um yeah and like i just find it sometimes with it whenever you sit down literally hours go by like you'll oh. sit down turn it on six hours have gone by i've never done it in my life it's crazy i've never done it in my life where time just disappears as fast so i have to be tactical about <laughs> when i use it because literally yeah. you can waste half a day just yeah. messing with like drums if you wake up on a saturday turn on your laptop it's like able to oh shit now it's sunday now it's sunday yeah i haven't even moved <laughs> just part of this chair yeah it's it's gas well it just shows you like how much it just like captures your interest but when the flow stage yeah flow, and, it's pure flow state really and that's is. probably tying into what we were talking about earlier there in you know like a release that's you know yep. a creative that's nothing but a creative release from from mm. the rest of the world um but yeah no 100 that's couldn't agree more love absolutely love sitting down and just creating that's something amazing. from scratch uh yeah here's another bit of a, a deep one for you kian what advice do you have for your late teenage slash early 20 self if you were that age in today's world mm. i think maybe to just stop overthinking Stop overthinking. I think so. I mean, like, like, compared to when, like, we would have been, like, early teenagers compared to teenagers now, they just have so much stimulus, like, and so much to compare to. Yeah. So much, like, role models that aren't really role models, um, just through social media and, and the likes, that I'm sure so many people develop complexes about themselves more than we would have, even by the way they look, uh, like, their physique, like, their butt their hair, their nose, everything like is comparable to everybody online, even like yeah. making videos and their personality. Whereas like none of that stuff matters at all. Do you know, yeah. you know, that's just, it's kind of like a reflection of your own insecurities. And if you're putting that in to people online, you're only going to further that because that's not real. You know what I mean? None of that is real life. That's all you know, either the best part of someone's life or Photoshop. So like, you know, just spending so much time thinking about that and comparing to that is like, it's definitely just not good. No. But even just in general, to just not overthink, like you're never really going to plan what happens. You kind of just have to take it as it comes and you never really end up doing what you set out to do anyway. So, you know, overthinking the future, wasting energy on events that haven't happened yet. There's no point because they haven't happened yet. Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. Well said. That's, that's good advice for a young key <laughs> He wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking too much. Yeah, he's overthinking it all. 
I tell him that and he'd overthink about that. <laughs> uh, what's one thing that you do that other people might consider strange or uh, not worth doing whatsoever? Hmm. Um, let me think. Um, I cook like five or six times a day. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I cook so much. Um, like our fridge here is just full of meals because I just cook all the time. Vegetables. I just <laughs> all plants, baby. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like I just love it. I don't know why I got so addicted to cooking. It was probably because going vegan, I have to get be a better cook, and then I just got really into it. Yeah. But like, yeah, like yesterday I made some seitan from chickpeas and flowers, like kind of like vegan meat. Um from scratch and I made like three or four different other meals. I wanted to try out some like peking tofu thing I wanted to make and like made these rice paper rolls and this all this stuff. I just love it. I spend all day cooking and eating. Like in between working and <laughs> doing a company, like uh when I have like a twenty minutes spare, I usually go and just whip something up. Yeah, fantastic man. And I guess two things that you've kind of touched on there that you enjoy doing for your own sanity working out and cooking whereas that's probably literally the parents of <laughs> what your business idea became <laughs> yeah it kind of is like you think about it because it's food and it's health and it's looking after yourself and i mean the protein definitely flows into like going to the gym and fitness so it does pair very well with my lifestyle what i've created and like i'm probably our own biggest fan is I drink at least one or two of them every single day. <laughs> the gains, <laughs> so trust me, they're good. <laughs> there you go, folks. This man is passionate about what he does. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm getting high on my own supply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that phrase. <laughs> um, what, what would be the best piece of advice that you've been given? Um, apart from... Uh, lefty Lucy, righty tidy. I <laughs> <laughs> stays with you for life. I can remember the day I was told that as a kid. That stuck with me forever. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Like, or what would be the worst piece of advice? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't have to name and shame anyone, though. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people who want to tell you how to to do things or run things or ever haven't done that themselves yeah you get a lot of them people once you set up a food company oh yeah um i'm sure i'm just trying to think i don't i actually can't really say it because there's nothing that's coming straight to my mind one thing though that actually this is quite a good piece of advice um i was a manager at when i was working in ey so i was working as an actuarial consultant at the time and what we used to do, we would just get like a data dump from a company or a certain task a company wanted us to do, like create a price model, do this, do that. And um, the, our partner, it's the fellow who like ran the department, this lad had wrote a load of books in economics, he's a super intelligent man. And like, he always told me anytime you're going to present your work, anytime you're going to do a presentation, anytime you need to sit in front of someone and, and show them something is just to develop a story. Always tell a story. Tell a story. Tell a story. And like for us, like with ASAP, it, there's a story there. And so when we go to shops and we go to distributors, we go to anyone who are trying to get a product in or to work with us, or even someone who wants to work with us, we need to tell them the story as well. And yeah, how we, how we started, how, what we're trying to solve, why it's good for you, how it fixes a 
a need that is there. But tell a story, it's usually it's massive. Like it, even for people in the working life, presenting sales, anything like that. If you can just tell a story that grabs someone's attention and makes them maybe feel like they want to hear more, it's so much better than just dumping all your your facts and the stuff you learned on someone because yeah. they don't necessarily care. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. That is very good advice. Tell the story. Build the premise. Literally. And if you can, if it's something where you, you you're gonna get people you're gonna sorry, you're gonna get people mm-hmm. invested. You, you know, but that's what you want to do. You want to persuade people to get on board with you. And what better way, you know, humans are stories are stories are, you know, they're older than the trees. Storytelling for you know, we're not older they're than the trees. Thing. They're the yeah, thing we have, like they're older yeah. than written words, like stories have been passed forever. We were in, we were in, a tr- not a training day, but like a conference day for health and safety within our company at work. And there was an hour long theater play. Okay. And there were two actors and they were acting out scenarios <clears throat> that happened within a pharmaceutical company. One was a supervisor and one was a new employee. Basically, they were acting out poor workplace practices. And then we would analyze where they went wrong. This is part of the day. This is, this is it's really cool. Like a, a really cool okay. way to, to, to get the message across. And at the end of the, the at the end of the, the last scene of the play was very hard hitting. And um, one guy had made a big mistake. There was a, 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 a catalogue of errors that led to one of the one of the people being in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Okay. But it was very heavy, you know, and then we were asking we were asking the people questions, the, the actors after the, the final scene. But the whole thing was so much more hard hitting and, and we were so much more on board than if it was even if it was the same thing acted out on a on, you know on a TV screen or yep. a projector exactly. for us to watch. So yeah, fully 100% on board with, with that sort of piece of advice. You know, build a story and for you to be there in person and to get your passion across as well. Literally, yeah. Yeah. Because like, you know, if you hit someone's feelings or even if you create a need for them that they didn't know was there, yeah, they're going to want to hear more than yeah. if you just dump everything you have at someone. It, it, just, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. 100. Nice. I'm going I'm to remember that one. I'm going <laughs> to steal it. Yeah, <laughs> work away, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have like a productivity system that you use uh, to keep on top of your stuff? So that, um, like I became really fascinated with the idea of productivity systems. I've started using this uh, note-taking app called Obsidian. Okay. And I think it was a free, it was a free, a free note-taking app. And its biggest competitor would be uh, an app called, Note. I think it's called Notation. Basically, it's a really, really cool and user-friendly way of, of keeping notes and like kind of building a database of your of your own collection okay. so um yeah I, I i paired that with google calendars and an app called todoist and i think with the three of them things uh, it's completely flipped my life around in terms of how productive i am um during the day like i i'd be a bit of an airhead like i need like a to-do list i need a calendar mm. i need solid notes to that i can jump in and know exactly what I'm doing, what I'm meant to be doing, where I am. Um, I don't know if you're the same as that, but that whole productivity system has really changed the game for me in the last few months in terms of 
what I've been able to do myself. It definitely sounds like something I should probably look into because I'm just chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, I kind of the way I kind of do it is it's set I set aside certain times that yeah. I'm gonna work on stuff. So like lunchtime, I'll focus on ASAP stuff. I am, you know, morning time, I'll probably focus on my actual job. Um, and just like try to split things up. I like I kind of like I go to the gym at the same time every day. I'll I'll eat kind of similar times i like i'll have my day kind of structured in that way um but i definitely could be better at giving myself certain tasks at certain times because i'm kind of just like uh i don't know like scatter plot brain where i'll be working on something and i think of the next thing i need to do and i'll be trying to get this done while starting this at the same that time dope, that dopamine hit baby <laughs> yeah get that dopamine in um feels great to start something like yeah. um but no, I I don't I don't have anything in particular. Um, yeah. But I I do have a I do have a real like driven desire for outcomes, so I need to get to the end of something. So I will always get it. I will always do it because I just I won't rest easy until it's done. I actually remember one time in college, I couldn't figure out this theorem all day I was working on, and I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of my sleep with the answer and got up and wrote it down. Your brain's <laughs> just going through training at nighttime. I was like, that's bizarre, but yeah. And and do you remember getting up and writing it or did you just wake up to find this theorem left by no, the 2.30? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something dropped it in my brain. <laughs> well, I must have been dreaming about it. Was this, you know, when you sleep, it's just your brain a lot of the time is just, like fighters talk about this, they fight about, or they dream about fighting because they're trained all day and their brain is just like going oh, yeah. over patterns. So it's just almost like training in your sleep. So yeah, whatever I must have been must be running through my brain when I was sleeping and I got the answer and woke up. But there's probably just more that I can't rest until I have the thing done. Yeah. It's actually in that book, Psycho Cybernetics, as well, a whole chapter nearly dedicated to when you're sleeping, or even if you go for a walk. I don't know if you go for walks, but okay. I actually like going for walks as well, because it's a like a lot of ideas come to me when if, when I'm going for a walk or if I'm in the shower. Just when you're doing a, a sort of low level activity, well, of course, that sleeping is completely different. But if you're going for a walk or in the shower, sort of ideas come to you. And in the book, he explains it quite well why it is because you're thinking about it all day and, and, and you're, you're banging your head against the wall. But you just need that. You need to let your brain relax a little bit and the idea will then actually come because you actually you, you have done the work by thinking about it all day. You've actually done the work. You just need to, to give your brain a bit of respite and, and a bit of space to actually create to to find a way to the answer because you you actually have done the work you just weren't giving your your brain a bit of space to 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 do brain things and, and be creative and find the answer it's kind of funny you say that because uh myself and body have a thing we call it like driving meditations or driving thoughts it's just when you're driving around again low, that's the exact low same. level thing yeah. and you just start having all these ideas coming to you because you're not yeah. trying to find them but that's what it is like whatever you're doing during the day you know but you and you are thinking about things but you're probably sitting there you know you're you're too busy exactly yeah you can't just let the idea naturally come but you know you can't just drive around all day and expect <laughs> ideas to come <laughs> <Just walk rolling. laughs> yeah. at least your steps are in <laughs> yeah. Twelve thousand, baby <laughs> yeah yeah no you got to put the work in as well you do you do you do um yeah that's brilliant um here she will we, we, we get to the, the last question okay the, the final question we'll wrap it up let's go in five years time where do you see yourself 
Mm, that is tough. Could be anywhere. But um, like if I thought about it, like let's say with ASAP, to what we want to do is we want to kind of be in nearly the majority of stores in Ireland within a year or two. A year or two um, from now? A year, mo- hopefully a year, yeah. Um, but therefore within two years. And then within a year's time, we want to start exporting. So we want to hit up the UK. We want to look into possibility coming into Germany, into France. Um, and like each of those places will probably take a year or two to break. So protein drinks market in Europe, because we definitely have the best product in Europe. There's no one that tastes as good as we do. Love the confidence. Um, <clears throat> no, for sure. There's, there's yeah, and, and, and I can vouch for that. I've had both flavors and they are absolutely fantastic. Um, I can't even pick a favorite because depending on the day, I would rather the chocolate or the vanilla. Yeah, they're both fantastic. Delicious tasting. I can't believe that they're they're a vegan <laughs> a vegan milk, like to be honest. Yeah, just so you know, um, Fergal was around when we were doing the, t- the tasting at the start. He, he was a, a beta tester. You could say. <laughs> willing. Willing guinea pig. <laughs> willing guinea pig. Well, because of all that, they turned out great. I'm glad to hear you like them, but um, they are, they are. I, I know they are very good. So it would just be a matter of us getting out there, yeah. getting into these markets and driving it. So in five years' time, I want to see this as like a, as a, a pretty large sort of influence in the European market. A household name. Household name. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. That's that's a serious, that's a savage five-year goal. And, you know, the five years will be, you know, they, they don't belong coming coming around either. Sure. They're flying. Yeah. I can't wait to be rolling through Germany in a little van and stop into <laughs> Lidl or, or, or whatever is, is supermarket whatever is, is in Germany. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get my fix of ASAP. We'll be there. Maybe even uh, new products, new flavors. Yeah, yeah, new flavors, new ideas, new products. It's all been it's all been locked down. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Kian, thank you so much for, for accepting the invite for the interview. And it's been fascinating. I've I've actually learned a lot myself. Um so thanks for that. Yeah, no, look, thanks a million for bringing me on. I'm I'm honored to be the first guest. <laughs> that was that was a great chat. Yeah, savage. And um yeah, and so tell us where what's the website that you know we can we can go to to get get some uh, chocolate and vanilla protein milks. Yeah, so it's asapvegan.ie and then our Instagram is asapvegan. Uh, and if you happen to be in the Dublin, Kildare, Offaly, Mayo, Cavan, Cavan, Monaghan and soon to be Cork area, keep an eye out for us in Super Valleys and Cost Cutters and certain centres. And if you follow us on Instagram, we'll keep you up to date on what stockists we're in. Fantastic. Thanks, Kian. Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks a million. Thank you very much for listening to the debut episode of Locating Wisdom. I really appreciate it. Make sure and give ASAP a tryout if you haven't already. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you. <laughs>